It was 5.15 a.m. that morning, and my sister woke me up. She was nudging me. Something is happening right now, she said to me. I was confused because I had just fallen asleep from the 4.30 a.m. medicine that we had just given my mom, and her next dosage wasn't till 6.30, so why was she waking me up at 5? I got up from the couch that I was sleeping on in the family room, and I went to see what was happening in my parents' room. And my dad was there. He was fully dressed, his hair combed. He was sitting up in his bed reading scriptures to my mom in her bed next to him. I quickly realized that my mom's color had changed and she was breathing very, very softly. I woke up my older brother who was sleeping in a rollaway also in the family room and he went to go get my younger brother and my husband Chris who were sleeping upstairs. By 5.30 a.m., we were all sitting around my mom. We were all there with her and my dad. The house was still, as if nothing else in the world was happening at that moment. The house was quiet. We were all there. It was dark outside still. It was dark inside the house. My dad kept reading from the Psalms. We listened in silence. He kept reading. We kept listening. We knew what was happening in this moment. Warm tears rolled down my eyes, almost in slow motion, because I knew that these were her final moments. I told my dad, I think this is it. A moment later, her tired body gave me and my sister one final squeeze, holding our hands that I can still feel sometimes to this day. And at 6.30 a.m. on December 30th, just as my dad finished singing their little love song, my mom took her last breath. At that very moment, I was overwhelmed. Not with tears, not with lament, but overwhelmed with a feeling of love a feeling of love so deep, so profound, I'm not sure I can quite explain it to you into words that you would understand. But in that moment, I can tell you what happened. In the silence and the stillness of her last breath, a song immediately came to my mind. It's a Spanish song, a Spanish praise song that I, I grew up singing that's titled, Has Cambiado mi, mi Lamento en Baile, which means you have turned my sorrow into dancing. I was overwhelmed with the desire to sing it out loud in that moment because I knew, I knew at that very moment my mom was encountering a love like she had never known before. My mom was encountering a peace that she had always longed for. In that moment, she was entering a place that is perfect. She was perfect. I knew in that moment that my mom herself was feeling overwhelmed with the love as she entered the presence of Jesus. Now, I share this story with you for a couple of reasons. The first reason I share this story with you is because the passage I'm about to read describes one of Jesus' very early mornings when he rose and he retreated into silence and stillness. 
when he rose in the morning to experience the presence and communion with his father. This passage feels so pertinent to what I just walked through that I don't know how to not share this story with you right now. Because even through the incredible grief and the incredible heartache I feel at this very moment, I have never been more excited, more passionate, more clear on the good news of the hope we have and we share together. I have never been more clear of the love our Father has for us than I have been ever before. The morning that my mom passed away in my home was filled with silence. It was filled with quiet, but it was filled with the presence of our Father, and I know that. The second reason I share with you this story is because as someone who grew up in church, as someone who has heard this passage that we're going to read many, many times, maybe you have too, I've, I've grown up reading this. I've, you know, I've also risen early in the morning to read my Bible, to read my devotionals, to spend time with Jesus. Maybe you have too, but I have never never experience the quiet and the silence and the presence of Jesus like that ever before. I believe that I was able to catch a glimpse, a glimpse of what our Father's overwhelming, all-consuming love is for us. Just a glimpse. And although I don't want you to go through what I just went through in, in losing someone you love, I don't, want to go, I don't want you to go through that in that sense, but I do want you to continue or maybe even to begin your journey in your communion with him and perhaps feel and experience new and different ways of communion with our Father, our Creator, the one who loves us with an overwhelming love, a love that is beyond explanations beyond words that I could even try to say today. And maybe, maybe you can catch a glimpse of that. And today, before we continue on with the sermon, I just want to pause for a second and express my gratitude on behalf of me, my husband, my children, my father, my siblings, my extended family, everyone. I just want to say thank you Thank you for the prayers. Thank you for the meals. Thank you for the cards, the emails, the texts to us. Truly, it has made such a difference in moments when we were just trying to keep up, put one foot in front of the other. If you're just hearing about this, if you don't know me, uh, my mom struggled with her health for several years, and, but she was always sort of okay-ish. She's always sort of okay-ish. The week of Thanksgiving, we found out that she was in liver failure, and we went into action mode immediately, you know, finding out how to deal with this, finding out how to deal with that, and while we're trying to find out how to help her, on Christmas Eve, I got a phone call that said, your mom's body is shutting down, and she has days to live, and she passed away December 30th. 
But my family will still take your prayers. We'll still take your emails, your texts, your cards. We will still receive that from you because I can't tell you what an amazing testimony to us, to my siblings who live abroad, to my neighbors, to just everyone. What an amazing testimony it is that we are part of a community that is following Jesus, loving people, and doing good, a true expression of the mission statement that we hold tightly to here at New Song. You participated in the messy, in the uncomfortable, and in the hard. And all the emails, all the cards, we have noted each and every one of them. And actually, my dad keeps those cards in his nightstand. And I find that he looks through them almost every day. And it brings him such encouragement. And he is so thankful to know that people are thinking about him and praying for him. So truly, truly, thank you. Let's read this passage together. Mark 1, 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So today, I'd like to take a very practical approach and ask a couple questions here. What did Jesus do here? What's the story here? Why did he do it this way? And how do we apply this to our lives now? So let's begin. Last week, Grant read, and we heard that Jesus had a full day of ministry, an extraordinary day of teaching scripture, preaching the message of the gospel, an extraordinary day of healing people, of hearing people, of who knows the countless conversations he had, um, how much he spoke, how many hurting, hungry, lost people he interacted with. Who knows the actual number? But we know that he served late into the day, well past sundown. And although the day was coming to a close, there was still so much to be done. And our passage here picks up a few hours later when it is early in the morning, still dark. What did Jesus do here? What's the story? It says again, verse 35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, we're not given a script of what was said during this time. All we know is the text says he prayed. Mark, the author of this gospel, is known for being very much to the point, very much to the point. So we know Jesus prayed. And the next thing you know, he's coming back and his squad of buddies, like a good squad, his disciples found him and said, everyone is looking for you. By this point in his ministry, Jesus is becoming popular. He's becoming known in the town he's in, in the next town over, in the town after that. He's becoming very popular. I read in a book this week that if we um, put it in today's terms, popularity, celebrity status, uh, it might say something like this. Peter might have said something like this to Jesus. Jesus, Time Magazine has called for an interview. TMZ is hiding out in the bushes and hashtag Jesus is trending. So that's not in the text either, but an interesting way to look at it in our lingo today. But Peter here is almost saying to him, what are you doing here? You're praying? You need to be with the crowds. 
Everyone is looking for you. And so much is implied in this simple, these simple sentences. In the simple sentence that says everyone is looking for you, so much is implied in that word looking. Everyone needs you. Everyone is longing for you. Everyone wants something from you. Everyone is looking for you. I think we can all identify with one of those needs uh, that are implied on any given day. We always need something, right? As a mother, as a mother to four children, at one, sometimes different moments, sometimes all in the same moment, they all need something from me. One is looking to me for direction. The other one needs help with something. The other one needs comfort for something. And one of them always wants to eat. As long as he is fed, he's good. But they, they need stuff from me, sometimes all at the very same time. Just having four people looking, looking for me, wanting something for me in the same moment is tiring. Imagine having a whole village looking for you, having the village over looking for you. Have you been in those shoes where everyone at work is looking for you? Where are you? Where's this thing? When, when are you bringing this? When are you bringing that? Everyone at home is depending on you. We're waiting on a, a decision. We're waiting on this. We're waiting on that. It's all riding on you. I can't even begin to understand how tired he must have been when he was done with the previous day. Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus responds in this way. He says, let's go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. He is telling Peter, no, I'm not going back. He's going to leave needs unmet. He won't return to those who are looking for him. Let's go, he says. Let's look at why he does what he does here. Why did he get up early? Why did he seek solitude and silence? Why all of a sudden is he ready to get up and go? It says, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place there where he prayed. Now think about what I just mentioned with my four kids and their needs. And sometimes at the end of the day, I'm spent and I just want to be alone. What do you do when you're spent? What do you do? Do you retreat? What, or what do you do when you have met so many other people's demands? How do you feel after that? I'm very tired some days. And does that mean I'm a terrible person because, because maybe I want to be alone? No, that just means I'm, I'm tired, I'm human. I need a moment to collect my thoughts. I need a moment to breathe. I need a moment to regain my strength for the next thing to come. Jesus was always on. He was always on. And he knew the only way to regain his strength, renew his energy, keep focused on his mission, was to seek his father who was the provider of all these things. In the quiet and in the solitary place where Jesus found, is where Jesus found restoration, renewal, fellowship with his father. He needed a moment to breathe. He needed a moment to collect his thoughts. He needed a moment to find his strength and his renewal. And he knew that the father was the only source of power through which he would feel replenished. So immediately after his time of prayer, 
he decides to leave. Jesus says, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. You see, he's leaving needs unmet because popularity doesn't matter to Jesus. There will be uh, the people, the will of the people didn't determine his course, didn't determine his steps. His father is the one who directed his steps. His father is the one who directs him through prayer and what sets his steps in motion. When Peter, when, when Jesus responds to Peter about moving and leaving and, and leaving these crowds, He's essentially telling Peter, I did not come. I did not come to do what the people want. I came to do what the Father sent me for. That is why I have come. They just didn't understand yet quite what he came to do, but he knew. He knew. He came to preach forgiveness and salvation for all and ultimately purchase redemption through his blood. He knew. He came with a message of power and purpose and he received his direction and guidance from his father in heaven when he went to pray. So how do we apply this to our lives? How do we apply this to our lives? There's no scripted prayer here like there is in Matthew 6 where Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. And he introduces what we know now as the Lord's prayer, our father who out in heaven. But again, Mark gets right to the point here. There's no indications to what was said in that prayer in those moments. There's no indication. Was he loud? Was he quiet? Was he emotional? We don't know. We don't know these things. I know there's times when I pray, I'm emotional in my prayers. Maybe I'm quiet some days. Maybe I'm crying out. Have you ever cried out literally, Jesus, I need you now? Have you ever done that? The last time I remember crying out in desperation like that was over the summer of 2020. We were at our friend's house, the Tittles house, if you know them. And uh, one of my daughters was swinging and she knocked her head right into a pillar and cracked her scalp right open. Now, it's not my first rodeo with blood, so, you know, I'm fine. I grab her, I put my hand on her head and, and held pressure. And Greg, who is a police officer who was there at the time, uh, who's seen plenty of things, comes over and says, let me see, it's probably not that bad, she's fine. And I lift my hand and he looks and he says, oh, that's bad. You should probably go to the hospital right now. So, um, that's not when I cried out yet. I cried out to Jesus when I lifted my hand and I could see how deep the cut is. I could see how deep my child was hurt and I could see the amount of blood rushing out of her wound and I almost fainted. I almost fainted. That's when I cried out in prayer. Out loud, I cried out in prayer. I said, Lord, please don't let me faint. Please don't let me faint. Please don't let me faint. My vision became super narrow. My ears became muffled. I was so close to fainting. And could you just imagine the scene? Melody's fainted on the floor. Abby's bleeding from her head. The other kids are running around screaming. But uh, the Lord heard my cry. And I believe he carried me through that moment because I needed him in that moment. And I didn't faint. I can tell you that a lot of people will also read this passage and think, oh, yeah, yeah. 
I see what this passage is telling me. It's saying I should wake up early, have my devotionals, and I should pray. And in one sense, sure, you could say that. But you could see it as a simple instruction, an example to follow, and you could set your alarm tomorrow for 5, 4 a.m., whatever you want, and you could read your devotional and pray. However, I think it's so much more. So much more than simply going through the motions and checking off the box that we read today. When we don't connect our hearts and our minds, we're just missing out. We're missing out. Jesus here shows us so many things. In seeking a relationship with his Father, he teaches us. In seeking rest and renewal through his Father, he teaches us. In seeking counsel from his Father, he is teaching us. It's not about simply setting your alarm clock earlier, my friends. This teaching is showing us how to seek these things for ourselves. To know what having a relationship with a father is like. To know the rest and renewal that is available to us through God. And to also hear and follow counsel that is available to us the same way it was available to Jesus. We want all the same things that Jesus is experiencing here and we can have it. Because Jesus came to earth As a man, a fully human man, he showed us ways that we would understand and then, yes, follow that example. Follow that example. He is showing us how to live here in this world, but he's showing us a new way of living. A new way of living that's connecting our head and our hearts to the Father to the one that can offer us all of these things. We learn by watching Jesus that he did not think that he could go on his mission effectively without stopping. He did not think he could go on his mission effectively on his own strength. He did not think he could go on his mission effectively and live his life in the best way possible without prayer. He did not think that. Sometimes we fall into two groups of people. We fall into the, okay, I'm praying about this, I'm praying about this, I'm praying about this, but not much action. And then sometimes we fall into the, okay, here I am, I'm action, I'm action, I'm action, I'm action, but we're not praying. Well, my friends, these two, cro- these two roads need to meet up. These two roads need to meet up. Action and prayer go hand in hand. And he is showing us that here. He is showing us that here. You may know what it's like to feel completely depleted. You may know what it's like to not want to get out of bed and face the day. You may know what it's like. I wonder if Jesus felt these same things too. And maybe if he had gone on this road, just this road, just this road of action, without the prayer, things would be different. I don't know. But he... There was no separation in those roads for him. He chose to depend on his father 100%. And I believe in that moment of quiet and solitude, Jesus cried out to his father and said, renew me, restore me, give me strength. 
uh, author Judah Smith in his book, Jesus Is, he challenges his readers to pray in this way. He says, pray like this, friends. God, Father, the one you love is desperate. Father, the one you love is sick. Father, the one you love needs you. He suggests praying this way based on the story of John 11, the story of Lazarus, where Jesus received words from his friends Martha and Mary that Lazarus is sick. And they send word and they say, Lord, the one you love is sick. They speak in this way. They appeal to his heart because they know how much he loves them. I wonder if Jesus appealed to his father in the same way in that quiet exchange when he prayed. God, the father, the one you love is depleted. God, the one you love is tired. God, your son whom you love needs you. God, your son whom you love needs restoration. We all have the ability and accessibility to pray in this same way. This, this can change the way we even look about prayer. Appealing to God's heart is not about manipulating him into getting what you want or asking for things you need. It's about understanding that it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about getting things we're asking for. It's about God and how much he loves us. Maybe in that moment, Jesus prayed that way. Father, the one you love needs you. The next time you, f you feel completely depleted, completely spent, completely you have just nothing, even desperate, pray in this way and see if that changes your perspective on things. Lastly, when Jesus says, let's go, at the end, he says, let's go at the end of this passage. He is moving on to something new. A new place, a new town, people he hasn't met yet. This tells me that Jesus was not rigid. He was not okay with staying comfortable. He, I think uh, we could imitate that in our lives as well too. We get comfortable and we stay. We get comfortable and rigid when routine is easy. We might think that we have, we have the, the best way that we relate to our Father and it's the best way that works for us and, and that's great and that's how it'll be till the end of our days. Well, that's good. I'm not going to tell you that's not good, but my friends, let's go. Let's go, as Jesus says. Let's go to something new. Let's go to experience something different. Let's go to venture into the unknown. Let's experience new things, new expressions of prayer, new communion, new relationship with our Father. On December 30th, through my mom's passing into eternity, I caught a glimpse of what being in the presence of God must be like an experience beyond words, a feeling of overwhelming love, joy, and peace. Is that what it was like for Jesus when he went to his time of solitude and prayer, when he went to be alone with his father? 
Are those the feelings he felt? Overwhelming love? Overwhelming concern? Was he just overwhelmed in the presence of his father? I want to feel, I want to feel that. I want to feel the overwhelming, all-consuming love. I want to feel that more often, if not all the time. I want to feel that more connection in my life. I want you to feel that connection. Perhaps you've been wanting to try something new. Perhaps, you know, something new has been on your mind. The last thing I'm going to tell you today is to set your alarm clock to four in the morning tomorrow or to five. Don't text me. I'm not going to be awake. Don't, don't send me a message. But the last thing I'm going to tell you is to, is to do that I mean, if you want to, go ahead. But I want to encourage you today to try something new. Seek out new ways to be in quiet and to be in solitude with your creator who has an overwhelming love for you. Grant asked the question earlier of where some of the, where are some of the places that you guys go to retreat to prayer? For me, there are some familiar and comfortable places where I seek silence and solitude. I have my little space in my home where I can set up a little cup of coffee and my journal, and when I'm there, it can be exactly what I need sometimes. I sometimes find it here at work. Uh, not so much in my office, but when I sit here by myself in the worship center and there's pictures of you around, and I just sit here in silence sometimes. I have a new place I go to now. I went there just this morning, my mom's graveside. And I sit there or I stand there, I look at the ground, I look at the sky, and I feel like God's presence is with me there. What new and simple ways can you do to seek out solitude and silence with your creator. I would suggest to you to take a walk, maybe. Take a walk. Do you take notice of sounds, colors? What do you see? What speaks to you? I'll tell you to drive to a scenic spot and sit there in silence. What happens when you do that? Will you pray about something you've never prayed before? Will something come to mind that's never come to mind before? Will you find yourself thanking God instead of making requests? What will happen if you sit on a park bench or maybe even just your front porch? Well, what will happen if you ask God's presence to come near to you in those times? I'd suggest to you to maybe even sit with a blank piece of paper in front of you. What will you see? Will you draw? Will you write? Will you see an empty space or will you see a space full of possibility? What will you see if you look at a blank piece of paper? Do you need it to be in the, in the very morning hours when, when it's still dark? Maybe if that's what you wanna do, try it. I'm not gonna tell you not to. Try it. Try new things. Does the notion of silence and solitude scare you a little bit? John of the Cross, a well-known Spanish priest, said that silence is God's first language. 
don't be afraid to approach God in silence. For in silence with God, we can find strength. In silence with God, we can find renewal and direction. In the stillness, in the quiet, we may quite possibly be moved to what words cannot describe. And I pray that this week you'd be willing to try and perhaps even catch a glimpse of that this week. Catch a glimpse of his overwhelming love for you this week. Oh, Father God, we come to you today. The ones whom you love, the ones whom you love are here. And we want more of you, God. We want more of you however you're going to show up. Maybe on a piece of paper, maybe on a walk, maybe by a graveside. Maybe even sitting in our own home, we might be able to encounter more of you, God. God, would you give us the courage to be with you in silence? Would you give us the courage to be still and to perhaps feel the overwhelming love you have for each and every one of us, God. Thank you, God, that it is not about our inadequacies. It is not about our failures. It is not about any of that, God. God, it is about your love for us that you continue to offer over and over and time and time again, God. God, thank you for being the giver of this endless all-consuming, overwhelming love, God. God, would we find your presence in our week this week. In Jesus' name I pray and ask. Amen.